What is up, Real Critics? It's Jose here, as always, and you're listening to Everyone's a Real Critic, the podcast where John Wolf and I take a look at movies that have a 20% difference between the audience and the critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes. We'll give you the Real Critic thoughts on the movie, we'll break down some of the critic and audience reviews, and we'll wrap it all up with the overall real ranking. But remember, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because, John, everyone's a real critic. So... Let's get into it, my friend, my friend, my homie, my brother, my co-host. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. We just got done uh, recording our Patreon-exclusive content. For those of you that joined us for that uh, in our Discord, we appreciate it. We had a good time. Thanks for, thanks for joining in. And uh, to our patrons, P-A-T-R-O-N-S, that are here with us in the live show, we love you. Mostly to Dapsauce. Thank you. You're a great, you're a great guy. If you don't know Dapsauce, uh, you can follow him uh, on Discord, but you can also listen to his podcast uh, <laughs> that we've mentioned a ton of times. That is the Drafted Pod, uh, where he and he and Preston have a good time breaking down different drafts, drafting quirky, fun things around the world. I've been on a few times. Jose has been on. Uh, you can listen to at Drafted Pod wherever you get your podcast, but. I think I'm doing yeah, I pretty think, I well. I think maybe you should follow Dab Sauce on Twitter, on uh, yeah, maybe, Instagram. Uh, well, I wouldn't yeah. say any of that. I don't, I don't know honest. about following him on follow. Discord, but like... Well, okay. follow him on Discord because you know what else I like to do <laughs> to, uh, to the old Dab Sauce is uh, follow him on Twitch. He does a good job on there. Uh, I like yes. to follow him when he's playing the Pokemon game. The Pokemans. Uh, he does a he does a fun job. He recently did, I think it was a month ago. I want to say he did like twenty four hours straight on the stream. Maybe it was two months ago. Time flies, uh, but that was really cool. So uh, that Daniel, is insane. Daniel, what did he um, have like a piss bucket or something? Like how did he do that? <laughs> What's crazy, crazy is at, at at Drafted Pod, they make so much money, have so many <laughs> listeners. Diapers, okay. Yeah. Oh, I was. I thought honestly, he just paid someone to just sit underneath him at his desk with a bucket and just kind of. What and milk do, him like a cow? <laughs> hey, you know what? Did you see that deleted scene from from one of the Star Wars movies where they had a, a one of those beasts that was there and and Luke walks up to it and milks it? Yeah, that's, I'm pretty that's sure pretty that's much in the actual movie. I don't even think that was a deleted scene. They, well, yeah, why would it be deleted? Yeah, you gotta you gotta leave that in there. I mean, it's it's critical to the plot. That essentially what I'm trying to get to is there was a Luke under Dab Sauce's desk that was milking him. So you know what? It's good for you. It's good for the soul. If you ever green get a, milk. Yep. If you ever get a cold, you know where to go. Uh, but I think I'm feeling pretty thankful this time of year. Thanksgiving has just passed. We we. Um, you know, this is our kind of post-Thanksgiving episode where we're thankful for a lot of things. So I know this week we're obviously going to be <laughs> we're going to be talking um, about a really nice, family fun, wholesome, you know, just get the holiday spirit moving kind of movie. So I'm excited to get to that in a minute. But uh, did you do anything exciting for for the Thanksgiving for the Turkey Day? Did you celebrate celebrate America at all? Or we celebrated. Um... 
Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we had I it's nothing nothing crazy. I had family come over and we cooked and uh played board games. It was wonderful. We oh, watched yeah. Spider-Man, the Raimi one oh. cuz it's a Thanksgiving movie. It is. Um yeah. and yeah, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful day. What about you? Did nothing. you guys do they celebrate Thanksgiving over there in the uh in the land? Oh, so we played um we played Scrabble and Pictionary. And Pictionary oh, wow. Is probably one of my favorite board games now. It's it's a blast. Two, two of the most exhilarating board games, I would say. Nothing really gets the blood <laughs> pumping. Yeah, like a good game of Scrabble with with the family. Yeah. It, if you saw my sister play Scrabble, yeah, yeah, it does get. She is so competitive. She turns beet red. She starts sweating mm-hmm. if she can't think of something. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun though. Is that because she can yeah, only good old, play good old wholesome family three- fun? Yeah. Is that because she only plays three letter words or has she kind of expanded to multiple syllables? She can get up to five. <laughs> <laughs> five points. That's nuts. Um, I think for Thanksgiving, um, surprisingly, I, I was kind of shocked that they don't celebrate Thanksgiving here in London. Oh, that was a UK. shock to you. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why. I think for them, I would be like, hey, good riddance. See you guys later. Uh glad that that's no longer sort of it it would be like if you you finally Oh, they would be away. grateful that the pilgrims left. They're like, oh, yeah. I thought they were never going to leave. Exactly. Because they probably like knowing how america runs the world and everything they were probably like those people are crazy let's get them out of here thank god they're gone it was probably like a toxic old lover that we've all had right whatever that lover looks like sure. if it was a job if it was a partner uh if it was a pet uh if it was a hobby uh daniel it's a good thing that this isn't a history podcast uh, because clearly we know nothing about history. <laughs> history, <laughs> this is not Dan you know, Carlin's hardcore history. This is John Wolf's take um, on Thanksgiving. You know what? I'm also glad you mentioned history because it's been a minute since his has had their own story. Am I right? It yeah. Really what about fe- her no. story? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? No. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, no, we we actually went on a little vacation for Thanksgiving. We went up to Scotland, uh, which was a lot of fun we went to a place the closest place we could go to to get some mashed potatoes some meat um to celebrate thanksgiving so so we are very happy and i i would say if i could say i'm thankful for anything it would be um it would be you jose and and the opportunity to express ourselves creatively creatively um Uh and you know do some fun stuff that's what i'm thankful for Thanks. So I, it, it's interesting to me, John. First of all, I'm thankful for you as well. I love you. Um, it's interesting to me that you went to Scotland after knowing how much of a huge fan of Banshees of Anishiran you are. That's crazy. <laughs> Was that film in Scotland or Ireland? Because they are bitter enemies. I don't know. We are also not a geography podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a fucking cartographer. What? Do you think I just build maps in my spare time? Please. Um, yeah, I, I learned a lot about in Scotland why um, England and Scotland hate each other so much. Um, it makes a lot of sense. It is the rivalry as old as time. Um, and it, 
it's pretty interesting, uh, to be honest. If you ever go Can back, you give and us read like a little book. bit of insight. Yeah, yeah. Cliff Notes essentially is like the king, the the big the big castle was in Scotland, in Edinburgh, where we were, and uh, everyone wanted to dominate that castle because if you dominated that castle, you became you know the ruler and the king. So a lot of people from London would come up, or from England would come up and try and burn down the castle or take it over and essentially the castle that's there in edinburgh is actually the most demolished property or the most besieged i think is what they called it um castle in the world uh because that it was the central power uh to england back then so very interesting and it would go back and forth it would be like a scottish then a you know someone from england would try and come and try and take it over and this whole thing mary queen of scots heard of her a uh, very famous person. She she married her enemy, who was a Brit- a British person, and they had their child, who was like kind of the first merger of England and Scotland, and um, that's sort of when things started to to really take off. So uh, a lot of history there. Um, no no need to read about it. To be honest, I just gave it to you, so you could probably pass any. <laughs> That'll do, uh, I guess. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're trying to pass your AP history test. You're welcome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just hit up John yeah. on Discord; he'll be happy to yeah. give you a breakdown of the Scottish-English uh, conflict. Yeah, here I'll tell you one thing: if you pay five dollars a month and join us uh, on our <laughs> Patreon, I'd be happy to do that for you. Um, mono e persona. Um, I'd be happy to do that gotcha. for you. So, speaking of man against people uh i think we should maybe tease the movie we're going to be talking about this week as i mentioned uh beautiful just artsy homey comforting movie you could really sit down with the kids eat a bowl of stuffing and watch it we're going to be talking about the killer this week uh that was made in 2023 the michael fassbender david fincher kind of re-exploring himself in the movieverse Got an 85% from critics, a 60% from the audience. It is a killer of a time, let me tell you. But before we get into that, let's uh, let's give the people what, what they actually came here for, um, and that is to know uh, what's really good or really bad on the streams in our favorite segment, What You're Watching. John, do you wanna wanna start us off, buddy? You want me to take it off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to take I it off. I want you to take it off. Right. <laughs> take it off. John. Hell yeah. Take it all off. Let um, me see it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh my really good uh because as we mentioned in our, our Patreon exclusive of what you're watching this week, if you want to get more what you're watching and then a, a special tease of a segment that we're gonna be doing later, you can uh join our Patreon and get that. Uh, special content wherever you get your podcast. So this week, my really good. I might be really late on it, to be honest. It is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, came out on Netflix recently, I think, 
this month, earlier this month. It is two hours and 20 minutes. And boy, yes. it's long. But it didn't feel like mm-hmm. two hours and 20 minutes, I'm going to be honest. I really enjoyed it. I think the visual effects team there, they all deserve a raise. I think uh, that's something from the first movie that they actually one-upped in the second movie. I think they made it, I don't know if they did it intentionally or not, but they made it harder on themselves, I think, by introducing a bunch of different characters from different comic verses and then even like real life uh, people were in there, cameos from Donald Glover, cameos from the original Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire, uh, my Spider-Man, uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, Tom Holland does not I think make an appearance. Bow down. Yes. Bow down to, to Tony. Yeah, uh, Tom Holland does not make a, a, an appearance here, but the fact that they're able to include so many different types of visuals, so many different types of artistic styles. And what's really cool is in some scenes, you know, if it's a moody scene, instead of rain, they'll include like the paint in the background kind of dripping down instead of, you know, sunbursts or like, whatever that other directors or lighting people may use, they kind of flash different types of colors and use different kinds of drawings or aesthetics or sketches that are in the background. I think it's, I think it's really phenomenal uh, the way it's done. It kind of keeps your attention. It doesn't kind of, it definitely keeps your attention for that two hours and 20 minutes because normally that is a really long time uh, for a superhero movie. And this one really keeps your attention. I think what, the downfall of this movie is um, it kind of extends this plot that could have been done in about an hour, maybe. And it stretches it to two hours and 20 minutes and hits you with a cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. And I don't know uh, if anyone else has read the news, but the third installment of the Miles Morales Spider-Man has been indefinitely paused. So no one... It what we'll be getting the third installment because the cliffhanger is nuts uh, for this movie, but highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, if you yeah. have seen it, go back and watch it. Uh, it's a great time. I agree, John. Um, it's a visual spectacle. It's a masterpiece uh, cinematically and a masterpiece of animation. But yeah, my that's my main complaint is that it is very long and i remember was seeing this in theaters and thinking an hour and a half in they still have a lot left to do yeah (laughs) i'm like this movie is nowhere near over it feels like we're still like in the second act of the movie and then it just ends um which so that's my biggest complaint when it comes to this film is that it feels unfinished and obviously it's because of the cliffhanger ending but I yeah. felt a little I felt a little cheated and now knowing that it's going to take even longer to see the third installment that is that is very disappointing. Um, it reminds me of it those is. TV shows that get written where they clearly know that they've already been kind of extended for season 2 or season 3 so they don't really give you what you want at the end of the season. They kind of leave you with nothing answered and that's what that's what yeah. this movie does which kind of sucks. It, it Oh, that's like old school really network good. TV, right? Like it heroes and, and and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. still really good. It, it's I a mean, bit of a bummer, but it's but it, yeah, it's incredible. All those Gwen Stacy scenes oh, where she's, she's like phenomenal. dealing with her emotions and her and her father 
and and they're using the color palette to yeah. to like you know further accentuate what she's going through just through just through color is yeah. it's amazing yeah yeah it, it really is a, a beautiful movie um that kind of makes me want to transition into a really bad movie that i saw recently that is uh called Bl blue beetle oh no really yeah, it's bad. You know, that one, it's, I think that one fits our parameters. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I think it does. I'll keep it short then uh, yeah, in case yeah. we want to do it later. But um, it seems to follow the trend that, you know, that we've seen in Andor where it's like they're commodifying anti-capitalist uh story <laughs> points yeah, yeah. you know it's it's like literally about like a poor family taking on a greedy corporation um and, and like that's all good and good and well but at the same time it doesn't present anything original in the character other than his you know heritage like oh okay we got like a latinx uh guy now and and uh, truly the most entertaining thing about the movie is George Lopez. <laughs> I can't believe it. But George Lopez, is that his name? Yeah, George Lopez. He's the best part of the, he's the, best part of the film. Um, yeah. It's kind of a disappointment. Uh, I was really expecting to enjoy it, especially because it's like, you know, like a standalone DC guy. We haven't seen this character on, on film before, um, but it was... It was just, it was like the flash, you know, it was CGI heavy. It's not pretty to look at, uh, nothing wholly original and the movie ends. And, and I just felt like I could have gone my whole life without seeing that. And I would have been fine. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but I did, I did kind of in my mind when I saw the previews and everything, I think I, when I first saw the preview for it, I texted you and I said, this is going to be shit. And the reason I thought that I haven't seen it because why would I have seen it? We never watch each other's what you watch and at least when we talk about them for some reason, for some reason we can't align. Um, but yeah. I, re I remember thinking like it seemed that I, I don't know who directed or produced or whatever this movie, but it seemed to me that they were sort of making the fact that, um, the the family and the protagonists of this movie were like a novelty and so and so they were kind of trying to appeal the fact that this person yeah. isn't a white kid from brooklyn yeah. or queens or new york or whatever um making that something like ooh, it's kind of taboo niche like come see this it's you'll yeah. never see it anywhere else and, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit as a as a straight white yeah, male. Yeah, there is there there is like a <laughs> there is there is like a gentrification subplot and like references to American imperialism. I mean, there's like there's a big joke in the trailer that George Lopez calls uh, uh, Batman a fascist, you know, and it's just like it's just it's just using them as like gotchas, you know, and mm -hmm. and not quite fleshing out the actual ideas behind it like andor did it very well like what what yeah what would it take to to create a revolutionary right and it's just like oh it's all these layered topics um this movie just kind of you know uses that uses the the trendy words um it's kind of a bummer but 
you know, it's it's what do you expect? It's a, it's like a multi-million dollar DC movie. We've seen The Flash, we've seen Black Adam, we've seen Shazam, and even Black Adam has little pieces of that as well. And it's just I don't know. They hopefully James Gunn uh comes in and they actually, you know, do character heavy uh character motivated superhero films instead of them being these weird uh, just just cash grabs to take to take one of your words you know small tangent and then i want to hear what you're really good at or yeah you're really good is and then i'll end on the bad but i'm curious to see what james gunn does because he does really really amazing stuff with sort of ensemble casting because it he he kind of builds the archetypes that you need of different characters and so you know he has the the animal they're stock kind of, characters yeah. yeah yeah they're they're totally stock guys so i'm curious to see what he can do when given a smaller cast or a more focal point to a story will be really interesting yeah. to me totally not related to what you just said at all but just wanted to throw that out there so what's your no, really I, I agree i agree uh, my really good, I have two really goods, and I think these are both close to perfect films. One of wow. them is, I think, a perfect film. It's uh, The Truman Show. Yeah. Um, I have Yvette seen and that. I recently got our hands. Oh, dude, it's so good. Oh, <laughs> oh great. Thank goodness. Yeah. Sometimes I look in the um, mirror in the morning and I just think, who the fuck is watching me? What's Jose going to watch? And then I do the <laughs> yeah. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, I mean, just like Truman yeah, Show asks, uh, like, who's watching me? Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> and spoiler alert. You say, like, if I don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eva and I recently got our hands on a working VHS, and uh, uh-huh. they already had, like, a pretty solid connection, uh, c- collection. And the Truman Show is one of the, one of the VHSs that we have. So popped it in. It looked great. I mean, it's VHS quality, so it's kind of fuzzy, but there's something, you know, like charming about that. And we watched yeah. the entirety of The Truman Show. No notes at all. What an incredible movie. Fantastic. Um, it really is. And then my second is, uh, my second really good is also an incredible film called The Birdcage. Have you seen Ooh. this one, John? I think I have. Uh... It, it's the one where they're it's, it's uh, blind, it's right? Robin they can't see, and then the monsters are coming. <laughs> no. no. Oh shit! Is what is that movie called? Yeah, Bird it's Box. something like that. Yeah, Bird, Bird Box. Box. That's what it is. Yeah. No, no, no. That's <laughs> no. The Birdcage is a movie about uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. They are a gay couple. Robin Williams mm. runs a drag club in my on miami beach or or on south beach and nathan lane is his partner uh and also the star of the club like the main attraction um they have a kid who is getting married to a (laughs) getting married to a um a a woman whose family comes from a conservative background like it's a right-wing senator and so you know, the hijinks ensue when he comes home and he's like, hey, dad, we have to hide the fact that you're gay from this guy. And they are very flamboyantly gay. It's so fun. Hank Azaria is also incredible in it. Who, and he's, but he's doing kind of a problematic Guatemalan accent. Yeah, um, well, you regardless. Know. He also did Apu. Yeah. Regardless, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's good at accents. They're not accurate, but they're fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be said there. Uh, but overall, absolutely delightful. So much fun. Nathan Lane's incredible. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I think that'll that'll conclude it for me. I, I think that I have another really bad John, but I kind of want to yeah, save it because oh. we might be able to talk about it on the podcast. Ooh, and I would actually okay. very much enjoy doing that. So okay. I'm not even going to say what it is. Wow. Um, and it didn't even make one. the uh, Patreon uh, exclusive either. No, so we, that's a super tease. No, You'll no. have to keep listening to all of our future episodes uh which are wherever you get your podcasts um we prefer i i think we prefer spotify right we like spotify if we were to pick someone we prefer spotify yeah we yeah, like spotify yeah. uh daniel prentice active in the chat as always talking about sports but that is not my really bad my really bad has nothing to do with sports this week though that would be interesting. I, I should add that in. You know, it's really good. I mean, it's what uh, you're if, watching, right? You're watching sports. That is true. I do watch a lot of sports, even though I'm six hours ahead. Uh, well, five. I'm six hours ahead of Jose, five hours ahead of Eastern time. So a lot of uh, sports games I watch when I wake up in the morning. In fact, I've been watching uh, as, as being an Orlando native, been watching a lot of Orlando Magic games early in the mornings around 6 a.m. Really? when I wake up. I don't know if you know this, but the Orlando Magic are number two in the East with the top defense in the NBA. They're one of the hottest teams right now on an eight-game winning streak. What? I did not know that. Winning streak at time of recording right now. They're a super fun team to watch if you're able to watch it. If you're in the Florida area, you know, tune into Bally Sports or Fox Sports or if Bally is still bankrupt or whatever. Tune in however you can. They're really fun to so watch. So if I have a YouTube TV uh, subscription, can I watch those on there? Un- like through Fox Sports or something? Unfortunately, uh, well, I guess, you know, they're my previous employer, so I can sort of get around about answer to you. But, you know, definitely buy League Pass if you can. But if League Pass is out of your budget, as it is for most people, what you can do is you can get a VPN. And you can always change your location to the Orlando area. You can download the Bally Sports app or the Fox Sports app, whichever they're on now. And you can watch local channels in the Orlando area and catch those games because they are a lot of fun, let me tell you. And they brought back, as the 35th year anniversary for the Orlando Magic, they brought back kind of all of the throwback stuff from 1989. Like the the jerseys? Not the jersey from 89, but they have, like, the original theme song to the Orlando Magic. I'll give you a little teaser. Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Oh. Yeah, so it's something like that. Uh, okay. They brought back oh, okay. their, their, um, their, their city jerseys, their pride jerseys, are the Tracy McGrady jerseys that are the shiny ones with the stars on it. They look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They, I think, as of last night, phenomenal. They're number one seed in the in-season tournament, which is a new thing for the NBA this year. So exciting time to be an Orlando Magic fan. If I haven't convinced you now, I don't know what else I have to do, but follow them on Instagram. I'm convinced. They're, great, they're a great follow on Instagram. They're finally back. They have a great social media team there. They make a lot of jokes. They have a lot of fun with it. It's a young team. They have a good time. 
Uh, they don't take themselves too seriously. So if you're looking for an NBA team, or if you've never, <laughs> if you've never watched the NBA because you hate it, uh, Dan Daniel is calling me out probably from our, our back in the day at ESPN, our time together. I talked his ear off enough about the Orlando Magic, but <laughs> I'm doing it again. The Orlando Magic are back. I'm already looking at plane tickets to come back in June because this team is making the finals. You've heard it here first. Anyway. My really bad, which is nothing. I'm to do convinced. With the magic. As somebody, as somebody who 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 does not watch basketball, I'm convinced, John. If it makes you feel, you're like welcome. Better. You're there's like, you know, hey, yeah. I'm not gonna pretend. Someone's gonna come at me and say, "Well, John, you know the Devos family, they own the Magic." <laughs> follow on Patreon. <laughs> If you want, follow on Patreon so you yeah, can see you me get it. trolled hard by uh, Daniel Prentice. But you can also see me troll um, our uh, listeners and our followers in our Discord chat. With my I think quick we're going to have to get Daniel back on here. I think we should with a little rom-com action uh, for Christmas time. Yeah. Anyway, people are going to say the DeVos family, terrible people. Um, and they are. There's no, there's no disputing that. You know, Betsy DeVos, she did... <laughs> She did less for teachers in the Department of Education than, um, man, your deadbeat dad or your deadbeat cousin that just does nothing. You know what I mean? Just freeloading. Anyway, my really bad this week, I started watching this show. It's called Obliterated on Netflix. Have you seen it? No, of course not. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) I just like to ask, you know, in the off chance you've seen it. Um, it's called Obliterated on Netflix. I think this is the rare. I, I don't know if we've ever had one of these before in this segment. It's so bad that maybe it's really good. I'm not sure, but it's really bad. No, we talk about these all the time. We talk about these all the time, John. These are our favorite uh, kinds yeah. of movies. So bad they're good. But this one's still pretty bad. It reminds me if Michael Bay made a movie that was like A Team meets Triple X, but this is a TV show, so it wouldn't. You know. I'm listening, John. Sign <laughs> me up. A <laughs> Team meets Triple X. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of nudity, wow. a lot of bikinis, a lot of racist shit. Say said, less. Say less. A lot of cliches. Sold. A lot of guns and shooting and like wild shit. There was a point in the first episode that two of the guys, they're in the middle of a firefight and they look at each other and they're like, heads or tails. And one guy's like, tails. And he goes, okay. And so the other guy, uh, or no, he says heads. So the other guy shoots the guy in the leg, and then the guy that's at heads shoots the guy in the head. Shoots him in the head. Amazing. Wow. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. There's a bomb diffuser. There's a bomb diffuser guy who can't diffuse bombs unless he's like listening to music. The music he listens to while diffusing bombs, Michael Buble. Huh? How about that? How about that? And the best part is he tunes out the rest of the world, like can't hear anything while listening to Michael Buble. He plays them through his fucking AirPods. I don't know if you have a pair of AirPods. I do. They don't work if anyone is talking. They're not noise-canceling. 
they're at a normal level of volume. They don't work, but they make a whole montage that his AirPods have canceled out, screaming, shooting, all this stuff. Amazing. And 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 the guy has one thumb because he blew off all of his fingers. And so when he defuses the bomb, he says, <laughs> he says, who <laughs> who has one thumb and just saved Las Vegas? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. It's yes, literally so bad one-liners all the time. It's written by a high school kid Love it. who is panicking for his final assignment, goes to ChatGBT and says, write me an action TV show. It's amazing. The main character, he's a cowboy. Oh, so in. He wears a cowboy hat and he bangs any woman ever and just like doesn't call women by their <laughs> names. He calls the tech the, there's the tech girl who has a name, but he just calls her tech girl. And uh the main guy, his name is Chad McKnight. It's amazing. Uh, it's Love, it's really bad. God, that's a great name. That's a great name. <laughs> Phenomenal. Chad McKnight. Please watch I'm it with a crowd. In, John. I'm gonna start watching. I'm, uh, you gotta oh, okay, watch okay, it. Okay. You gotta watch this movie with a crowd. You gotta okay. watch it with a crowd. So are you telling me you made your wife watch this with you when you say that? Absolutely not. She would not stand for this show. <laughs> they're, they're, this show is very demeaning towards women um, and just about oh, everyone, no. to be honest. So my, my, my wife would not be a fan. <laughs> I'm fucking in. That sounds great. Oh, yeah. That this is the so boys... Good. This is a boys only watch, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This was for the boys. <laughs> for for all my boys yes. that are done with her story, this one's Yo, for you. Yo, where are my <laughs> boys at? Y'all want to get obliterated? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That sounds fucking great, dude. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, so check it out. I'm Netflix, so in. yeah. Check it out. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely checking out. Speaking of checking it out, writing that down. Speaking of checking it out, uh, how about, you know, all of our listeners that are here now, the people that are here in the Discord, uh, DAP, uh, why don't we check out our new segment (laughs) that we're going to launch to you guys? Um, It's called Real News. We're going to break down what's happening in movies, TV, and culture with the Everyone's a Real Critic twist. We don't have a sound bite yet for it. Yeah, we don't have sound. Yeah, well, you know, we might. We might. <laughs> I think we'll Sarasi sent us. Too, yeah, yeah I think Sarasi sent us another one. Always innovating these guys. So get it started, John. This is your segment. Let's let's yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I created a new segment uh, today that I thought would be really fun because we always talk about. <laughs> Created this five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I just made it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna Jose, work out the kinks together. Jose literally had no idea the segment was happening. Um, no, because we always talk about Jose and I when we're putting together the outlines, when we're in our little business meetings, things like that. We always want to talk about more about like what's actually happening, and sometimes our our uh, what you watching segment is really good. It, no pun intended. Really good, but. Um, sometimes there's other things happening in pop culture and movies and TV that, that we kind of want to go deep on and, and talk about. So 
if you are a Patreon of the show, if you're a patron, we talked about some of this in, in this week's exclusive episode. So if you want more of this segment and you want to listen to what our what your watchings were more in depth, we had some extra ones in there. Please subscribe to our Patreon. You'll get that in your podcast feeds um, when this main episode releases as well. So some of the real news I wanted to bring up to you. You watched Oppenheimer. I didn't watch Oppenheimer. So I haven't gotten the sort of appeal um, of, of what the Oppenheimer craze was about. I know, I think I have an idea of what happens in the movie, um, just, just having a brief idea of history. But have you seen lately that they have released 4K Blu-ray DVDs? First of all, this news article... The news to me was that they're still making Blu-ray DVDs. That's a shock. I didn't know that that was happening. The other news that's happening right here for me that I'm I'm trying to come to terms with is that they've run out of Blu-ray DVDs of Oppenheimer, and they're having to make more and put them on the shelves uh, across the nation. So. Do we have like an Xbox Series X PS5 situation here where there's just like people are going to start crashing into Walmarts everywhere. Gail Lewis's are going to have to be stripping down people, making sure they're not stealing extras or or checking out at Walmart with a tomato. And it's really Oppenheimer Blu-ray. Like what's going on here? I didn't even realize the demand for this movie was that high. What I think you're missing, John, is that um, people do love physical media people like to own physically yes absolutely like that's why vinyl records are still a thing you know that's why they're they're still selling vhs's that's why they're still selling cassettes and 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 steel books have always been popular people do buy like their little limited edition princess mononoke steel book or you know like it's it's but it, it is interesting that it's happening with a movie like oppenheimer um I don't quite know what that's about. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great movie, great movie, but like, is it one that I'm like, oh, I can't wait until I can put Oppenheimer on my shelf? That's interesting. So, do you, it, it's a shelf thing. It's like a, I want to display that I own this. It's a prestige. Like, this is in my collection. I think this is fancy. Because, it's, yes, absolutely. It's shit like this. It's like people want to have you know, their favorite thing, be surrounded by their favorite things. Uh, when Jose says shit part. like this, yeah, when and Jose says thing. shit like this, he pointed at the bookshelf behind him that is full of books, DVDs, yes. VHSs. And if you want to see that bookshelf, you can join <laughs> and subscribe to our Patreon and join our Discord and you can watch us live while we're doing that. Where you can probably oh, ask him, this guy. Amazing. Where you could probably ask him um, exactly what's on his bookshelf. That's impressive to me because I can't tell you the last time I bought a DVD, to be honest. I didn't realize that that was... To me, there's, a, there's like a unique and fine line between hoarder and collector, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. I agree. What was the... What was the... <laughs> what was the last... Uh, sort of dvd well you you mentioned buying vhs's so what what, yeah, was, yeah. But what was the so last I did recently DVD buy yeah i don't know see like dvd doesn't have the same i like i don't have the same do nostalgic connection doesn't do it for you it to, do it, to for you. it doesn't do it for me no it's yeah. not analog enough i like the little 
clicky of the, you know, DVD is just a disc. I don't get it. I don't know. And they're also Be tiny. Kind so you can store more, more of them on the shelves. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you what the last VHSs I bought, though. Let me hear it. I got a pretty good haul. Yeah. Jurassic Park, Die Hard, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and Con Air. Wow. Con Air. Yeah. What a movie. I think they're going to come out with a Con it's, Air too. It sounds like obliterated, dude. Like it's Con Air is like on the in the same vein as obliterated. Just <laughs> one-liners, you know, it's amazing. I don't blame you. I think I don't the think last... see, it's like the 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 layman though does probably does not buy DVDs. Like why would you if you have you can stream everything. And you can um, stream probably in a higher quality than a Blu-ray, I would think, right? But the whole point of the I think so. No, I think think you can stream at a higher. I think you can like the Blu-ray will always be a higher quality. Um, Isn't the point of I will say that I think that thirty millimeter though. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you can do that though. Like people don't have. You gotta get a. You gotta get a projector. Don't have uh, projectors for that. (laughs) People don't have projectors in their homes. To play a thirty millimeter on there. Also, they're can you huge. imagine trying to watch you, you, that movie? You know how huge they are. <laughs> Look, if you want to be such a millimeter, it was beautiful. But, but <laughs> you know, like, I here's the thing. Just to to be serious for one second. Yeah. Here's yeah. why I argue it's better to buy a physical copy of the movie than it is to get a streaming one. Than to just to get one on Amazon Prime is because you don't know when. They're going to pull them off those streaming services. You don't know if, um, you know, the streaming service is going to be bought out by another one and that your purchases are going to, you know, transfer. Um, At least with a physical copy, you have it forever until the day you die. Okay. Or give it to a thrift store. It's a fair enough point. It's a fair enough point. The other thing that I saw, um, speaking of like hard copy discs and things that just like aren't relevant anymore, especially are, are in video games now that you have sort of Game Pass on Xbox, uh, PlayStation, I think is PS Plus, has their own sort of streaming. What's interesting is it seems that video game adaptations are back. We saw Five Night at Freddy's. You talked about it on our last episode, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And we've talked about some video game adaptations before. I think we talked about Assassin's Creed. Uh, We've talked about um, a few. It looks like Fallout. I don't know if you've ever seen or played Fallout before. It's a Bethesda Studios, which is now owned by Microsoft um, Vehicle. Uh, about like kind of quirky retro space adventure RPG, lots of cool quests, <laughs> lots of things you can do. What? I just I think it's so funny when you talk about something. Like, have you played Fallout? Yeah, I played Fallout. I like Bethesda games. I played Fallout. Okay, okay. Outer Space. Or um, <laughs> it just sounds like you were describing it like like an like a an idiot 40 year old man who has never yeah, yeah. played fallout or even knows what it is like it's a quirky <laughs> sci-fi with robot guys and guns. you're catching on you're catching on you're catching on to the bit um well done 
Well, Fallout's now a TV show. I what I wanted to ask you: Do you think so? There was a time where video games were like, no, we can't make movies about it. Hitman flop, Assassin's Creed flop. I would say Doom kind of sucked, and that was back in the day. Uh, I think they're making so. I've seen Fallout. They've they've shown some videos. Yeah. It's going to be an Amazon Prime exclusive. I've also seen Resident. God, I'm really Evil. worried about this one. I've seen. I mean, yeah. I know Resident Evil were movies. I think they're making a new one, and I've I like a pretty think successful also franchise seen, too. Yeah, I've I think I've also seen Metal Gear Solid or something like that. I, I Metal have Gear as well. Be, I think starring like Anthony Mackie something. or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, are, are the, is this yeah. like back? Are they just kind of, or is this like a big studio IP? Let's get them. I think that what's happening right now is that uh, studios are grabbing onto any existing IP they can after the yeah. comic book craze. Like it seems like the comic book craze is trending downwards, you know. So now we're gonna mine video games. What's next? Yeah, what's next? We're gonna go back It'll be to a books. Full circle. <laughs> oh, we'll go back to oh. books after that, and then yeah, I've read some good uh, books. I'm, honestly, like. Movies. About the fallout that <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah? Yeah, like yeah. what? Like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, dude. Have you heard Harry, of Harry Potter? Read Harry Potter, dude. <laughs> they does. should make a movie out of that. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's pretty good, actually. It's nuts. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. But I'm worried about the Prime uh, Fallout show because if you've seen any of the other Prime shows, uh, not a great track record. Despite my really good. The Lord of the Rings one. <clears throat> Rings of Power. But yeah, that was bad. Yeah, yeah. Big also, that's based off a book, John. That's based off a book. It is. Who's to say I haven't read it? Yep. Uh, I haven't read I, it. I would bet money that you have not read it. <laughs> I haven't read it. <laughs> well, it's not called What You're Reading, John. It's called yeah, What You're Watching. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> if it was, that would suck. Well, so, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Also, it starts Kyle McLaughlin, who has a uh, you know notorious track record for being in bad projects. Um, Ooh, and this yeah. is coming from a guy who loves Twin Peaks. Uh, mm. But he, he, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. It's interesting that I like those big IP. It's like big IP after the next, right? Because people are familiar with it or enough people are familiar with it. It's sort of like the if you want to be a content creator or TikToker or whatever, right? Like everyone, you know, millions and millions and millions of people are on TikTok. So if you can just segment a thousand people or, you know, 10% of that one million, you've got a solid audience, right? Like you're going to make your money back. You'll probably maybe even more. Uh, what reminds me of that is the other thing we were talking about that's in the news is uh, Bob Iger, the Disney exec, saying now that their main goal for Disney movies, for Marvel, I love this. For, for Lucasfilm, for, for everything Disney is <clears throat> now quality over quantity. Yeah. <laughs> quality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quality, it's about so. time, Disney. <laughs> yeah, am I right? So the quality we're gonna give you is we're gonna make a real like a, a a live action adaptation of Hercules. Like what? What are they talking about? It's so funny. It cracks me up. What cracks me up the most is this guy 
this yeah. guy, Bob saying, Iger, uh, who's he? Quality over quantity. And and by doing so, they're do they they got like Frozen three coming out. They got yep. Deadpool three coming out. Yep. They got Zootopia two. Uh, Marvel th- Phase yeah, like ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, so they excited crack. for this quality. The merger yeah. with Hulu and Disney Plus being one app, so now they're just going to absolve all of Hulu's great content, uh, which is mostly see. This is another FX reason shows. and. And this is what Christopher Nolan in that Oppenheimer article that we were talking about. He says, like, this is with physical media, it's on your shelf. You don't have to worry about mergers like this, uh, you know, completely, completely wiping content off of their off of their platforms as a result of the merger. You know, Um, it it makes sense to me why people are going to gravitate towards physical media again as a result of this. Like, you can't trust these corporations. To, to continue to have the content you're looking for. Well, or you can. Because they got good content on there. Disney Plus. Non-stop content. <laughs> but, like, think about there. Disney Plus content. You've seen everything on there already. That's true. And and the, the bummer thing about Disney Plus content, which is different than, uh, I mean, even right now, H, uh, Max um, and, and Netflix, like, it's it's we're kind of hitting that dry spell from the the writer strike and the actor strike where there's really not much coming out and Disney Plus I think has struggled with this from their inception is you they Absolutely. rely a lot on the big show uh, to draw you in and when their show isn't big when it's a Boba Fett when it's an Obi Wan uh, and people start tuning out they don't have anything else to bring you to the platform that was it. That was their main draw for you to come to the platform. In fact, so like think, normally they, they schedule it like big show yes. ends. Here comes the next big show. Right. And and it seems like what else is going to keep you on the platform if I don't give a shit about the newest season of Boba Fett? Right. All, all and that's ideally, on there is probably stuff I already own physically anyways. It's like right. old Disney movies. It's the Star Wars movies. Shit that you've already seen. So like why am I continuing to pay for Disney Plus? Right. It, it, it's a combination of the pandemic mixed with the strike. I think there's a bit of a, a backlog and, and hopefully it'll change. But I mean, it, ideally, in a perfect world, you're able to have hit show, but then also smaller like uh, shows that are releasing on the platform that kind of continue to draw your interest. What makes me think of that is Max used to do a really good job of that. They don't anymore. But if Game of Thrones happens at nine, right after Game of Thrones is still a pretty good show. So even if you can't stay up to watch it, you're going to come back to the platform to you know watch it the day after. Um, you know, John Oliver is um, a great example. He used to premiere after their Sunday night, you know, hot spot and you know yeah, people go yeah, back exactly. to watch John Oliver. So it it, and, it you know there are platforms up. like Netflix um, yeah. that are like trying different things to keep people on. Like I just recently yeah. saw a tweet that said three um, Grand Theft Auto games would be available to yeah. play on Netflix on the December fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, Grand Theft Auto three, Vice City, and San Andreas. So are people going to be playing this with their Roku TV remotes? Exactly right. Like, and then if you can play it with a normal. You know, handheld remote. Why? Like, I'm just confused. And like, are you gonna play it on your phone? Don't most people watch streaming on their mobile devices? Like, 
How's that going to work? Yeah, I'm not how's sure. It gonna work? I'm not sure how it's going to work. If but at I'm least, Mike? you know, they're trying to do something innovative. I mean, when That's Netflix true. started, they would also send you, you could, you could Netflix video games. Or was it a different one? I'm pretty sure they bought them or something like that. There was like a service that would yeah. uh, mail a video game to you uh, when we were like in high school. <laughs> do you remember that? Blockbuster. No, I don't. I don't. But what's also <clears throat> interesting about that is if I'm Microsoft or Sony, and let's say you're watching Netflix on a an app on your like Apple TV or your smart TV, and you're going through the Netflix app and you're going to play Grand Theft Auto, what like if I'm one of those, or if you're playing, if you're loading Netflix through your PlayStation or your Xbox to play Grand Theft Auto, why wouldn't I, as Microsoft, cut out the middleman and just be like, no, we'll just put it on Game Pass or PS Plus? Like it's so yeah. Silly. I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah. it's I think it's to bring casual gamers in and keep them as subscribers. You know, it's like, oh, I remember playing Grand Theft Auto when I was uh, five. Like us, like that I was like not people are probably game. like in our thirties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe. My wife. Who knows? We'll see. It's an interesting Xbox experiment though. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Speaking of, and it's also uh, think about it. not everybody is not everybody is buying like PlayStation Fives. Like that's no longer like a big true. mainstream thing. You know, yeah. and it's like if I can play a quick little game of uh, uh of Mario Party on my Netflix, that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. That does. It's in in movies and TV are usually a communal thing. Like you know, a lot of people watch by themselves. Mm-hmm. But you know, hopefully, you're able to watch with people you love or people you hate and have a good conversation around it. So if you're able to play Mario Party after, that'd be sweet. Honestly, yeah. the new TV. I I recently just got a a new TV and it came preloaded with like uh, Xbox Game Pass, like. You can without having oh, a console, what? you can play your Xbox through the TV. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. So whoa, that's pretty crazy. You know what it my is. biggest complaint about the streaming services, John, about all of them, is there. After you finish watching a movie, it's like, mm-hmm. do you want to watch more like this? Or mm-hmm. if I'm looking at something that I'm like, oh, uh, like what's a movie that's similar to this? The algorithm is really bad at picking. And I, I just wish there was somebody who could curate to me like, oh, you just watched Jurassic Park. You might want to watch, um, you know, uh, you might want to watch Back to the Future because it's like it's 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 cinematically great or whatever, you know, like just curate yeah. something for me. That's not just like you watch Jurassic Park. You must love big monster movies. Watch the Meg <laughs> too. And it's like, no, I'm looking yeah. for something substantial, you know, like something that's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. That'll not make that me feel similarly. Not that has just has the same tags. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just wish it was like like cri- some Criterion Collection type shit. Like you just watched Houseu. You might want to watch <laughs> Evil Dead as well. You know, like that sounds great. Let's get into the movie talk. The movie, the movie talk sound always goes way too hard. Like, I wish we could just keep playing it. Just 
What's interesting about the, shit. Mm. the it like faded out on my end, but I love that movie talk stuff. It's uh, as always by Neon Nightclub. So um, if you like their music, go listen. They had a great album that came out this year. Um, hopefully they're, they're in your top Spotify Wrapped. Um, they were in mine. <laughs> I don't have Spotify, but if they if I did, they'd be in oh. it. So Are they they weren't in your Apple Music. How do you not have Spotify Apple. and you have a podcast and you and you constantly promote it on Spotify? <laughs> I I do I do <laughs> I use my wife's Spotify. Um, I'll be I I do my I wife. To... Welcome to the uh, movie talk segment. Um, we're going to be talking about as we mentioned, uh, the killer, which came out in 2023, a real holiday flick. 85 percent from the critics, 60 percent from the audience. A, a David Fincher catalog movie what's interesting about this movie is it start like you know we'll we'll get into how the movie is and whatever but this as a hitman as a killer you gotta do a lot of waiting around and i saw well i just had to use the restroom because you know we've been talking for a couple hours already um i had to use the restroom and i saw dap sauce in the chat or actually you jose as my co-host betrayed me here in the chat if you want to see whatever in the chat of our live shows if you want to join in on our live shows be a part of the audience be a part of be a couch critic honestly join our patreon we'd love to have you come on in join the discord come on in in our live shows jose said that uh because we were making fun of our friend dap sauce over at drafted pod uh, listen to to Drafted Pod wherever you get your podcast. Jose said uh, that maybe I should, you know, just get a, a silicon catheter. It looks like. Uh, oh no, <laughs> a reusable. Yes, catheter. it is. It's a reusable uh, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Daniel said extra small, which is interesting because is my bladder small or is it? Oh, you missed so the you missed big. the context. I was talking. Yeah. I was talking to Daniel oh, my, about what my size penis I is get. small. I got it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, oh, I get it. I we got to get an extra small one for your extra small penis. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. And you, you know what's crazy about having a small? I don't think penis. they make. I don't think they make. It's crazy because I was looking at these. I was like, huh, maybe I should get one for myself. But I don't see any any that are big enough for my penis. Enough. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Is like you know, g- people that have large penises, you get the the Magnum condoms. They don't have like a cool condom for people with small penises like myself. You don't get no. like the cool no. the the Desert Eagle. You know, like you don't get anything cool like no. that where you can just slip your gun into. What's also interesting about cold weather when you have a small penis, you don't get this down, Daniel. I know you're in the Carolinas, but. If anyone's in a warm weather state, you don't get this. Is when it's cold outside, your hands get really cold. They don't have any condoms called like the pocket pistol. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's none of that. Yeah. yeah. You all, when it's yeah. cold outside and your hands are cold and you have a small penis, sometimes when you touch your penis, it sort of inverts back into your body because it's so cold. And then forget about aiming. Like, it's a it's a free for all at that point because you really have no control over where that things go. It's I wouldn't it's know. Like, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, I would have no idea it's... what that's like. Every time I go to use the urinal, I can tell you exactly how cold the water is <laughs> because my penis is so big it just falls into it falls into the you urinal. You know, the the only time I use the urinal is if it's one of those Florida wall urinals 
you know? Because then, then I feel smart, more comfortable. Smart. I don't have to aim as yeah. much, you know? It's just totally fine. It's like I'm blasting yeah. at a wall. Really? You know? I, I would have thought you were like a sit-down-to-pee kind of guy. No, I totally <laughs> am. Totally. Also, I mean, hey, if anyone's looking for a life hack, middle of the night, you got to go to you know, the bathroom, you got to go pee, you can't see. Just sit down on the toilet. You don't got to worry about it. Yeah it's, yeah, it's easier than trying to shoot blind. You know what I'm saying? Shoot from the hip. It's just not It's yeah. not hygienic for me to do that because, again, it'll just be in the water. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yours might Yours might go all the way down. And, yeah. you know, you hear, you hear about those, like, alligators and stuff that are in the sewer. It's like I sit down and hear, like, plunk. You know, it's like plunk. <laughs> sure. Like sure, a little sure, splash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that... That must be crazy. I don't have that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Speaking of big dick kings, we're watching the. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about the Michael Fassbender movie here. Um, <laughs> Is it a Michael Fassbender movie? <laughs> speaking of Fassbenders, am I right? Yeah. Mine's more like yeah. mine. Mine's more like a small straighty. Anyway. Uh, David a Fincher. Pocket pistol. We, yeah. 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 You could say that. Uh, David Fincher. Yeah director of this movie uh for those that oh man that sounds really familiar i'm not sure david fincher has made movies that are very cerebral thriller type big twist at the end type movies seven is one fight club is another i saw recently or not recently gone girl gone girl when i was making this outline he's also credited uh as director of World War Z two, so that's a thing happening, and he will be directing that, which is cool. So I love this. I love this. Um, it seems like David Fincher, especially with this movie, is entering the realm of like, oh, I've been I've been a pretty good filmmaker, and now yeah. I kind of just want to have a little bit of fun. Okay, you know? that's I'm gonna fair. fuck, and I'm gonna fuck around. Um, yeah, what's your? I'm excited your about f- that. What's your favorite David Fincher project? I'm a big David Fincher fan. I, I like most of his movies. I'd have to say, I mean, I, I'm, I'm biased towards Fight Club because it was like one of those movies that I saw when I was like a young teenager. And sure. uh, I just thought it was so cool. You know, and it yeah, was like... Rebellion. The cinematography is amazing. The needle drops are great. Um, and the story itself is fun, like because of the chalk the Chuck Palahniuk. I had read the book as well. So I was just stoked on that movie. Um, but I would say seven is a close second followed probably by the social network. I love all those Fincher movies. Um, but there are a few that I'm noticing on his, uh, filmography that I haven't seen. I've, I've never seen the Zodiac probably because it's almost three hours. Talked about it. I think we've talked about it. Zodiac though. Great I think movie. we talked you about it in prep, it. though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Zodiac, great movie. You have to watch it. It's phenomenal. Um, my favorites, too, and I, I know we've talked about this, Mindhunter, definitely one of my favorite David Fincher projects. Yeah, he's a producer great. on that. Great. Dark, gritty, perfect. And I, I think seven of his movies is my favorite. I mean, what a twist. Seven, yeah. End. What a twist. Yeah, great, great movie. So good. But what yeah, has me thinking... Uh, so he kind of goes out of the box this time. As you mentioned, this comes off as more of a, of a passion project, but you may not know that. 
you know, going in. I, I think it's safe to say it's a passion project after watching the movie. But going into the movie, you're like, oh my gosh, this might be really good. Um, I think I was battling how many times can you make a cerebral thriller movie without it starting to feel like the same. There's there's a lot of that happening on streaming. I know Harlan Coben, who writes books that I've never read, because why would I read a book? Uh, and he has Netflix shows, Amazon Prime is his latest, but they kind of all feel the same after a while, the whodunit type situation. Do these types of movies, these Harlan Coben things like Fight Club, when you know something's supposed to be a twist at the end, do they ever just like get stale to you? Absolutely. There's only so many of these that you can watch before you realize like right. all the beats that they have to hit, you know? Um, but I, but I'm still drawn towards them, you know? And, but, but I think they've changed in the last maybe 10 years or so with the onset of John Wick, you know, like now they're hyper violent. And before they used to be more like noir and and slow, like slow burn. Now they feel like they have to have a big fight scene every 10 minutes or I don't know, like, are they scared that we're going to get bored? I don't know, but uh, they, they were different. They were different before. I mean, they probably are. They probably are. Like, we attention do spans are different. Like yeah. yeah, attention yeah. spans are different. Well, you mentioned John Wick. What are some of your this one, the killer? It's obviously about a a hitman, a killer. What What are some of your favorite hitman movies, killer movies? Um, John Wick, obviously. I like killing them so, softly. Yeah, John Ooh. Wick. Yeah. I was gonna say, um. The Boondock Saints is a good one. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great yeah. pick. I think Kill Bill is an interesting one. Uh, Love because that one. It's good, but it's Did also you see the recent like, trend? So... No, what happened? Did you see the recent trend on Instagram where everybody was posting like six movies that define you? No, I missed that. And everybody was Dang, like, How did I miss that? Was, we should have been posting about that. It was. I did. I I posted mine. It was oh, yesterday. Um, what were yours? I was I was curious to see how many people had the Boondock Saints on there. There were like a, oh. a few of my friends who put the Boondock Saints up there, which was interesting. Really, I thought. What yeah. What were your six movies that define you? Um, let me pull it up. Give me one second, because I we should have forgot. talked about that in, in in real news. We should have been talking about that. I can tell you oh, the you're six. Right. The six <clears throat> movies that will define me, or that do define me, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be... I know this bit. I know exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Do it. <laughs> fast one, fast five, fast six, fast seven, uh, fast eight. And uh, I'm going to take fast six off. Fast five, fast one, fast five, fast seven... <laughs> Fast eight, fast nine, fast ten. Wow! Yeah. Wow. No, that that's. I, I'm that's, not gonna lie. I wasn't expecting you to put them in order of favorite to least favorite. Too. That's amazing. It's oh. amazing that you could just do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and and if I could have another another one. Wait, it would can you do it one more time? What is it? Hobbs Hobbs and Shaw would probably make it as well. It's gonna be fast. Oh, that's an five. honorable mention on yours. Yeah. Oh, if okay. I'm doing it from like my favorite to least favorite. It's Fast Five, Fast Ten, 
Fast I can't believe Tokyo Drift wasn't on your last one. Oh, no. Fast Five, Fast Original. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fast Ten. <laughs> fast, uh, Tokyo Drift. Um, fast Eight. Fast Seven. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. What happens in Fast 8 again? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Isn't that... All right, my, fa- my, my six picks the for what fate. it's worth are fa- the Fast and Furious movie, the first one, yeah. uh, Scott Pilgrim, Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Royal Tenenbaums, and Evil Dead 2. Okay. Um, I, there's so many more that I wish I could have added, though. I mean, fa- so Fast 8 is called The Fate in the Furious. I don't know if you remember that movie. That's that right, That is the yes. one when they're in the Arctic and uh, what's-her-name dies, but then comes back to life in Fast 10. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's a good one. So, so, so oh, wow, wait. When does oh he dies in t- Tokyo Drift? Yeah, Han. <clears throat> yeah. Well, he he doesn't die. All but... right, this is the biggest tangent in the world. Can <laughs> anyway? Let's, let's, so my, what were your first thoughts other... on the movie, John? Going going into knowing all this about David Fincher, yeah. and 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 you know you're we're a fan of his work already. How, what were you thinking when you saw The Killer was on Netflix? Oh, so. Two more of my favorite killer movies, Hitman movies. No Country for Old Men oh, and Sicario. Okay. No Country for Old Men and Sicario. I think they're phenomenal movies. If you've never seen them, Agreed. go check them out. Sicario, more of a slow burn. Or, sorry, No Country for Old Men, no more of a slow burn. Sicario, more of like a political espionage thriller. Love that movie. Great movie. Incredible movie. movie. <laughs> Incredible movie. Uh, and I think, funny enough, both star Benicio Del Toro. Uh which was not uh, on purpose, but great actor. What was I thinking about this movie when I first saw it? I was a little nervous, not going to lie, because I looked at the, obviously, to get it on the show, I looked at the ratings, the critic rating versus the audience rating. And so usually when I see a really high critic rating versus a low audience rating, I immediately think that this movie is going to be a slow burn and it's going to like the audience is going to think it's boring so then i get nervous gotcha. okay like That's... is it is it boring because the audience isn't understanding the story and the development of the character or is it boring because it's just a fucking boring movie so what i tried to do as best as i could was take my david fincher hat off and just go in as unbiased as i could i like that idea David Fincher hat. Yeah. For merch. <laughs> a film by <laughs> it just David, says Fincher. David Fincher. No, it just says David Fincher. Yeah, yeah, just David Fincher. Yeah. I'm writing that down okay. too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. I love that. Um I agree. I mean, I, I didn't know. I try not to look at the at the audience and the critic score. Uh like immediately before watching the movie because, you know, like I feel like, I can be very influenced by, oh, okay, how am I supposed to feel about this? Oh, that, there's a high mm-hmm. critic score. 
like you said, maybe it's a little bit more cerebral or or of a slow burn that and that can drive a lot of, you know, of the audience away. Or is it like going to be pre- kind of pretentious because it has a high critic score? You never know. Um, and sometimes I think that it, it also could mean, and if it's the obvious, like if it's got a high audience score, then I'm like, oh, maybe this movie is going to be a lot of fun. Right. You know, and not right, quite. Right. Yeah. And not quite, you know, for lack of a better term, like smart. <laughs> right. Um, so, so I mean, going into this, I knew it was a David Fincher movie, so I thought I was gonna enjoy it. At least I thought I, I I love his style. So it's not like Guy Ritchie, where I'm like, ugh, it's a Guy uh, Ritchie movie, gross. I'm like David Fincher, ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, so he gets I, a lot put, of that. I put my David, you took your David Fincher hat off. I yeah. put my David Fincher hat on. Interesting. So we'll have a we'll have a good banter here. So when we get into the movie, what's interesting is um, right away we get like an old school. It reminded me of almost Double O Seven, like a a spy intro to a movie where it's got a good soundtrack, got cool visuals. Is is the kind of like cool opening credits with a theme song. Is that is that on Lost Art? Do we need that? Like, what did you did you automatically push skip, which is an option on Netflix to just skip the intro? Did you did you stay did through not. it? What? No, I you watched it. Through. I watched the whole thing. I yeah, loved of it. Of course, I'm, I because it's David it's David Fincher. I'm like I have to. I can't skip anything. That's that's cheating. I'm not going to get the whole thing out of it. You that's know. True. I'm that's like true. this is an artistic choice. This is a decision to to do this. So, okay, fair, fair enough. And then go. right when we get through the intro, like a book, now that I understand that this was a book, we, we go into chapters. Oh, this was a book? Gosh, I could... Yeah, you said that earlier, that this was a book. Was it No, not? I, I said thought it was your, like, your, your spy movie, your spy movie was uh, a book, like your spy show. I thought show this was like a... Based on a graphic and... no- I think this was uh, based on a graphic novel or, or a book or something. So Really? We're in... Yeah. So it's split into four chapters, which is interesting because most movies have three acts. And so for this to be four chapters, uh, I think uh, we'll maybe talk about. But the first chapter, we kind of open a little bit. We learn about the character. He's a very meticulous, he's a very precise person, as you have to be, I would think, as a hitman. And what's interesting is early on, we kind of learned that we're not going to get a lot of dialogue in this movie. It's going to be a lot of inner thoughts. It's going to be a lot of it's it's a it was, it was more of a monologue. It's a hundred percent a monologue, but it doesn't come off as a yeah. monologue, if that makes sense. Like it's not one of those movies that we've talked about in the past, like Transformers or something, where you get this like long yeah. Well, well it's got that bad voiceover, you know, right. Right. This is more intimately shot. I think right away what stood out to me is that this movie, we're going to be close up. We're going to be right there in the action. It's going to feel like we're there. There's not a lot of noise. It's just the noise that needs to be there. You know, the creaks of the feet, you know, the the rustle of the clothing. It's... It's very well. They're trying to make us. They're trying intimate. to make us be very present. Yeah, very present, very yeah. focused. Get into like his mind. How is he uh, 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 reacting to all of this? 
you know, um, which I, I like because we get these like big wide shots of him sitting alone in this room um, for a long time, you know, a long time. And, and how he talks about, he is about Yeah. Yeah. He talks about how bored like, he it's, gets it's, as a hitman. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I would do. Like, well, how do you yeah. even pass time as a hitman? Because it's not like you can watch. And he's and and, you know. and they're setting stuff up too. You know, like he's checking yeah. his heartbeat. He shows you his process because later in the film we're going to see how he, um, you know, throw kind of throws that away. He throws away his process um, as a result of what happens here, which is for what it's worth, hilarious to me. It is like, a very wait, like comedic movie, despite its tone and its its base. Yeah, yeah, because it's silly. Like he, it starts off with him like turning on the Smiths, and then like being very meticulous about what he's doing, right? And then he misses, and what how he reacts right after that moment is nothing like what we saw him uh, doing right before. You know, he just it seems like he just. He throws away the book and he just fucking starts fucking booking it right away, right away. There's a couple yeah. things from chapter Which I one. Kept, I couldn't help but thinking there, dude. I'm like, you're telling me this guy doesn't have a plan for when he fails. So there's a couple things from chapter one that really stand out to me, especially with the point you made. One. Our hitmen in the world doing us a favor. He hits us with a stat early on. 1.8 people die every second, while 4.2 people are born. So it seems like hitmen are helping us kind of keep the world population at some point. No, no. I think his point there was that um, it's negligible. One guy that I kill. That's what I'm saying. There's people dying all the time. Are they helping kind of keep the population under control should we get more hitman is what i'm getting at (laughs) we need to kill more people we do (laughs) yes i think what's also really interesting about this movie from the very beginning and it continues on throughout it is the amount of product placement that is just slapping you in the face and the commentary amazon prime Airbnb, Amazon Prime, we work, we work. Airbnb, yeah. yeah, and they're and they're the commentary on it is very interesting. Where he's like, "Oh, like to fit in, I have to like to make it not weird. I have to consume these products and use these services. Otherwise, I'm an outsider." Or like, "Oh, oh, because he cover says is that blown. he says that like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that the best cover is a German tourist because everybody hates them, right? And I use WeWork yeah, yeah. because." Nobody uh-huh. goes to a WeWork, but like everyone has a registered exactly. office and like all these things. And so I, I, I thought that was that was pretty interesting. I think, and I then think it's like it's, it's funny because like the juxtaposition between him being like, so like I'm wearing, you know, uh, black gloves so that my I don't leave my fingerprints anywhere. Uh, so I'm very meticulous. But then he orders something off of Amazon that he's going right. to use, you know, right. so it's. It's the the contradictions there. I think it's. I think the movie's doing them on purpose. Like it feels like it's a, a parody of shit like John Wick. Yeah, you know. And you speaking of JW John Wick, I really like Michael Fassbender, who is a, a nameless character, the killer. Uh, one of his mantras 
that we only get very briefly, despite him just forgetting his other ones, is what would John Wilkes Booth do? And I think that is a, a great mantra for a serial <laughs> That's killer, right, he said that. For that a was... killer. Uh, that See, one when he said that, up. I was like, oh, this movie is trying to be funny. It's a joke. It's, yeah, it's yeah. trying to be funny. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. But at first, it doesn't come off that way. When you, when the movie begins, you think it's going to be like this dull, like like slow noir, and we're going to be following this killer. And he is, you know, it, it presents that at first, and then it completely takes a left turn. Um, it does. Which I kind, so, which I really liked. I really liked actually. In the moment, I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know. What else? Like, so the first thirty minutes of the movie, as you mentioned. He makes a dire mistake as a hitman. He somehow, despite his anthem, his mantra, and uh, anticipate, don't improvise, amongst many other things, he doesn't anticipate or somehow see uh, the the lady of the night that is kind of seducing his target. He doesn't anticipate that she may have a, a nice strut despite she, her only wearing leather clothing, whatever clothing she's wearing, it's only yeah. leather. And so he was trying to fit a narrow, narrow kind of path. And because of this woman's strut, he nails her uh, with a sniper. Right he misses. In the he back. misses, yeah. Well, yeah, he hits the yeah. woman instead of his target. I mean, women always yes. get in the way, am I right? And so what did you think about like the the first 30 minutes of this movie we're we're locked in on this guy who's sort of like stalking a target this happens how are you feeling i i feel like i i just explained like i i it seemed like the movie was just setting all this up right and then it takes a complete left turn at that moment at that moment yeah because then yeah. he does start improvising it doesn't seem like he's prepared for for this potential outcome at all you know, so then then you start to not now now the character that um, has been narrating and setting everything up, you realize he's unreliable. You know, like now yeah. we can't we can't trust this guy because he's clearly improvising after this. Like he's freaking the fuck out <laughs> because he's never missed before. Apparently, that's what I don't understand. I'm like, even the best. This is what I don't really like. Even the best hitman has probably missed his target once. You gotta you know, have like, how do you not have a contingency right? plan? Exactly. Yeah. What would John Wilkes yeah. Booth do? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. felt Hilarious. like I, I was super locked in on these 30 minutes because it, the way it's shot, it's as I mentioned before. Like, But I could also see how if I was a casual audience person, if I was just like throwing up a movie, watching, and like a lot of people do, you know, you're like on your phone, you're checking things when you're watching a movie. Yeah. I could easily like see. Watch. I could easily see how you wouldn't get into this movie because it is definitely a movie where the details matter, and if you kind of break attention from how intimate it is and how like you're pretty much there along yeah. the ride, if you if you separate yourself from that, like you're gone. Like you miss the entire sort of John. So you think that maybe like this movie would have done better if seen in a, in a movie theater. Like, I think so. Would have yeah. liked it more if they watched think, it in a movie theater. I, I think so. I think right off the bat in my, in my first 30 minutes, I think audiences would have loved it in a movie theater. Cause you're just, you're locked in. Yeah. 
And I think the the like I remember being so tense. Yeah, you're not looking at your him. phone when you're when no. you're in a movie theater, you know. Which is, I think, for what it's worth, how you have to watch Oppenheimer. It's like one of those. It's this seems like one of those movies where you're like, oh, I have to like if I'm gonna watch this at home, I'm watching this, you know. Like yeah. my phone is down, you know. Maybe I'll get some popcorn. Like yeah. I'll make this is a movie. Yeah. It's like movie. This night. is an it's event. Movie night movie. Yeah, this is an event. Yeah. This movie for sure. Yeah. I was gonna watch. This is just like on my chilling at home. <laughs> wow, what a contrarian this guy. <laughs> so we get into. <laughs> So once he misses, apparently, uh, you know, he misses and the people get mad that hired him or whatever, and they go after his girlfriend and his girlfriend gets beat up and he goes, checks on her and at his safe house, which is ravaged. And he's like, you know what? I can't believe you guys beat up my girlfriend. I'm going to now come and kill you. That's essentially what <laughs> chapter is, two is. Yeah. This is basically the uh, motivate. This is the puppy being killed in John Wick. Yeah. Not, yeah. not saying it's that. It's what's going to let him. No. But also his girlfriend doesn't matter. She's not in the movie. Like, we don't know why he likes this woman at all. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's not. We've never met her. We've never met. We've never. I don't know who she is. Is she cool? Why is she so cool? Why does he love her so much? I don't know. Yeah, he just does. For what it's worth, we don't meet any of the characters in this movie. We meet them as the protagonist meets them, and it seems that he knows. yeah. Yeah, it seems that he knows them all, but we don't. So there's a bit of a disconnect there. So. How did yeah. you feel like you think getting it's, into you think it's Do you think that it's on purpose, like to keep uh us from connecting with them, then it's more then we're gonna be more on the killer side because we're not like he's he hasn't turned us we don't know if these are good people, if these are bad people. They're probably bad people because he wants to kill them, therefore like okay, we can justify their murder. You know? I the don't know. I don't know because this guy's mantra is anticipate, don't improvise, trust no one, never yield an advantage, fight only the battle you are paid to fight, forbid empathy, empathy is weakness, weakness is vulnerability, what's in it for me? And he keeps saying that throughout the movie, and I think it's supposed to bring a connection for us with him, but the whole time he's saying that, all I'm thinking about is how he's doing the opposite from the get-go. Yeah, he's not listening to himself at he all. Do, he doesn't, he's not he listening doesn't to listen. any of that. And so because we don't know why the other people in this movie are in this movie, like why the other characters exist, I, I, I just don't feel bad for this guy at all. And in fact, I'm kind of like rooting for this guy to just like... like Wow. Okay. You met like yeah. get fired. You know, like he's, that's it. It's crazy because he he doesn't seem like a a very good hitman at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> at all. He seems terrible at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he kills all the targets, but like he is being very impulsive. Not at all is he uh uh fighting only the battle he was paid to fight. In fact, the battle he's fighting in this movie is one that he's not paid to fight at all. 
at all. And he has and he, he's we know that he's empathetic towards his girlfriend, right? So he's fully not listening to his own mantra. Which I'm like, has, I I I kind of understand, you know, like the movie is doing that on purpose, like to show us that this character isn't to be, you know, trusted when he says these things. But it's not really I'm I'm not really I wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> No, the only thing I could find redeemable after at this point, maybe like 50 minutes in, an hour in. Also, for what it's worth, this movie is long as hell. This movie is so Two long. hours long. Why Two is it so long? long? So at, at this point, I'm like, okay, the only thing that's keeping in, me in this movie is, is really the cinematography. I think like there's a lot of beautiful yeah. scenery shots. Mm-hmm. I think it they do a really good job in this movie to this point uh being really claustrophobic and up close to the killer and then giving you that that release that breath when you get the sort of scenery or beautiful shots Yeah, when you get the wide, the big wide yeah. shots. The lighting yeah, yeah. the lighting is also awesome in yeah. so many of those like Agreed. Um yeah, when he's in the Dominican Republic it's beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, so, so yeah, that's, what's, that's, what's keeping me in the movie as well, John. I'm like, okay, at least it's shot really well. <laughs> and the, the other thing that I keeps me hopeful in this movie is, is okay. He has to meet whatever, whoever beat up his girlfriend, his love, he's got to meet these people and something cool is going to happen. And it, and it sort of does in chapter three where he goes, or is it chapter three? At some point, maybe it's not even chapter three. He goes to Florida, and this movie just completely shits on the entire state of Florida by oh, I love this. They're, they're all like inmates without parole, essentially, just living in Florida. <laughs> and he goes to this house and has a pretty sweet fight scene with some roided out dude. And, and yeah, the most accurate could, depiction of a Floridian on film, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of that kind of <laughs> brought me that kind of brought me back in. To be honest, I was yeah. like, okay. Also, like all that Florida stuff, like I thought was funny. You know, I'm like, okay, well, the movie is try. It is trying to be funny. <laughs> it was. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it is. It is like, oh, it's trying to make it seem like this hitman business is silly and vapid. And like he's not a he's not well at all, you know. Uh, yeah. So I think it's like okay, I'm like I like that, but I'm not really enjoying the way it's being presented to me. Other than the cinematography, like in the story itself, it just seems very yeah. vapid. Like it's not really all that deep at all. No, because the whole time. So for what it's worth, this is chapter four. So chapter three, I don't think anything happens. I was also mistaken at the beginning of this podcast when I said there were four chapters. There are six in an epilogue. Uh, there should be less. There's no reason to have that many different scenes in this movie. Um, when he's at the, fl- it's the same thing. You're like, wait, why are you finding? Also, this are thing? the chapters who, just are the chapters this guy? just him like going from one place to the other? Like, why are they chapters? It seems like he's just going from one mission to the other one. I don't know. Like, there's not really, like, big story beats happening that would, like, warrant, like, the beginning of this chapter. And no. now, like, the character has moved on to the next chapter. No, it's just, like, a setting. It's just Florida. 
the Dominican Republic, you know, wherever the fuck he goes after that. Yeah. And, and to your point, they don't describe anything. You don't get any kind of dialogue or information as to who these people like. There's nothing here. And so there's a vague, goes, there's a vague plot though that is like, oh, okay, he went to his attorney or his accountant, right? And so yeah. then his accountant knows who the guy was who was paid to go hit him to kill him, right? And so then he figures out who put that hit on. So he's like following some sort of a trace, right? All uh, which all leads him back to like this big guy, who that's a thing in and of itself. Yeah, he was we'll big get there. Yeah, he was big. No, the big guy, like the money guy, Mr. Moneybags oh, up at the, the top. Money bags. You know, like the money bags. The money, Mr. Moneybags up at the top who doesn't even realize that he's, that he's put on a hit to kill him. You know? So it's like also the movie. Yeah. That was the most disappointing. Like, when he kills Moneybags, that was so unfulfilling. Wait, does he kill Moneybags? I thought he lets Moneybags live. Oh, yeah, you're right. He lets him live. Either way. So, um, was that, and that was after Tilda Swinton, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk it about seemed it. like, if you look at it as, like, John Wick terms, Tilda Swinton was, like, you know, the hotel guy. Or, or someone who puts on hits, right? Maybe, but she was also a hitman. Yeah, it sounded. I don't know. It sounded like she just kind of gives. She she they hire her ass, and then she find she has hitmen who go and do, does the job. You know what? This is great. Is because we have no fucking idea what the point of her character was to this movie, other than something. I don't know. They but they really- were acting. The fuck! They were like fucking acting, bro. In that, in that, <laughs> in in that scene where she's like, "This is my last meal." Yeah, let me get a flight of whiskeys. Yeah, she was fucking giving it to us. She does. She's she great. Was. She's great in yeah. that. But it was so unfulfilling. But again, You're I'm like, like, I don't care what they're fucking talking about. No, at all. There's no point. There's no point. And then they do the like. Uh, are you gonna help me? Like, whatever, whatever, because she's trying to trick him, and he doesn't say anything that whole time. It's just her talking, yeah. which is nuts. And then he just bang shoots her in the head, cold blood. That's it. I, I was like, huh? Again, right. like, what happened to his whole like methodical shit? You know, he just killed her on the side of the on exactly. like a path. Yeah, exactly. He didn't care. And then, mm-hmm. to your point, this last guy who was supposed to be, you know, the guy who did it all ends up to be this super weaselly, sleazy finance bro. And yeah, nothing happens. He doesn't even die. No, he doesn't even kill him. The killer walks He just away. talks about it. Yeah. And then, and then it cuts to him just like chilling in the D, in the DR with his girlfriend, and and that's it. They live happily ever after, like every other. But see, movie. I think the movie didn't want to give us like a big old shoot 'em up at the end, you know, with like like a big ass climactic ending. I think the movie is like purposefully withholding that from us because it's like what we're used to seeing, you know. Which I I. 
I artistically I like I like that Fincher was like I'm gonna make uh, a serial killer hitman shoot 'em up movie, but I'm not gonna do any of that tropey shit. You know, I'm gonna you keep some of the tropes the to guy. like so I can basically parodize it like it's a parody of these movies, but it's not deep enough to like I feel like warrant any of it. You know. It could have at least killed the guy. That's all I'm saying. But that's what it wants you to do, you know? That's that's what yeah. it knows that you want him to die. He's like wearing a sub pop shirt. He's like, hey man, I'm just a guy, you know, with his beanie. Like I'm just a rich bro. Uh and it his wants beanie. you to it wants you to want to kill him, right? But but then you, you realize he doesn't know anything, and the movie's just like, let's just take another left turn here. And what if the killer's just like, not fucking worth it? But why? Why? We don't see anything exactly. to warrant why he would change his mind there. Maybe, you know what? Maybe let's get some clarity and look into the critic and audience reviews here. We already mentioned that this has a high critic uh, aggregate score. Yep. It's not surprising to me because it's kind of like, I I feel like there's a lot of cinematography to like. There's a lot of, you know, commentary there on Hitman movies. So let's hear it. Yeah, it seems like the, uh, yeah, 85% from the critics. Let's see what they have to say. This first person, Tim Cogshell uh, from Film Week. It has to... It has the best fight scene I've seen in a movie in a long time. Long time. It's thrilling. I really, really dug this. Um, another one from Savina Petkova from A Good Movie to Watch. A perfectly pitched crime thriller that's David Fincher's best film in a decade. 84 out of 100. When was uh, the last time David Fincher made a movie? Do you have that on you? Let's see. Best film in a decade makes me think it's an an easy cop-out for David Fincher, who probably hasn't made a movie uh, in quite a long time. The last movie he did Mank in 2020. Mink, the TV show? Mank. Mank. Mank? What the hell is that? Yeah. You haven't heard of Mank? No, you have? It's like a biopic. But yeah, yeah, I have. Gross. It's a biopic about like the making of Citizen Kane or something. All right, whatever. It's all in black and white. It stars Gary Oldman. It was a Netflix production. Like It was like just dropped on Netflix. I never watched it because, again, it's like, I think, I think it's like two hours long. Also qualifies for the pod. Uh, next one. Jared Mobarak. Hey, have you seen? Think of this film as a corporate John Wick. It's about revenge, and it exists solely in the headspace and environments of the lead character's ilk. Civilians become widow window dressing as Fassbender narrates the monotony 
and mantras that keep him alive. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Damn, that's a high score. Um, that's crazy. A- I'm legitimately surprised because we did we we mentioned some of this stuff. How you know we're following Michael Fassbender's characters. We don't learn any of anything from the other characters because it's in his perspective. People just kind of come and go inside uh, his his world, but. Um, those are things that I felt, you know, took away from the film. Exactly. And to give that an eight out of 10, not, is not positive for me. Yeah. Yeah. They were positive. This next one, uh, Adam Naiman from the ring. It could have been, but it was just, <sighs> never mind. Adam Naiman from the ringer, David Fincher's latest thriller. The killer is cold to the touch and might even seem impenetrable, but it contains multitudes for anyone interested in finding meaning. I didn't find any meaning in this film, to be honest. I feel like, but I, I, I don't disagree with them because if you, as a David Fincher fan, wanted to like this movie, you can find things to like about this movie. Enough exactly. for you to be like, that movie's pretty good. You know? Yes. And this last one from our rival, James Berardinelli. At real views. The killer is pure David Fincher. Moody, atmospheric, gloomy, and suffused with a thread of dark, sardonic humor. Three out of four. Our rival at real views. Yes, yeah, I don't disagree with them. Um, again, because those are, all, those are the best parts of this movie. It's the, the David Fincher moodiness, the David Fincher cinematography, you know, like... The fact that it does take its time to, excuse me, it takes its time to um, set, like, to, to have us, you know, become acquainted with the setting. You know, like him in that WeWork room, like, it was so atmospheric, so beautiful. Um, those are the best parts of that movie, of this movie, the David Fincher stuff. But it's, it's crazy because, like, one thing I like about this is that. If David Fincher is choosing projects like this, it means that there's going to be, you know, something with a better script that's not great, but with David Fincher's touch on it. And I'm really excited about that. Maybe. It, what I got from the critics. Like World War Z. Much, World War Z, too. Yeah. That could be it. What I got from uh, the critics is like this movie. They're all sad, dark, and uh, don't follow their own mantras. As critics, as people who are supposed to come at something with an unbiased view, they all seem to use David Fincher and his kind of universe, his experiences past to view this movie through. Um, So that's kind of the critic view at 85%. Let's get into our audience view at 60%. This first one. I feel like like that was a little harsh. You think so? It was honest. Uh, this first one from Trey W. <laughs> I wish that I was half as cool as Tilda Swindon. Three and a half stars. Great review, Trey. Love that. See, really this is the thing. It's like audiences are just sold on something like that, you know. But also, yeah. I think people like to just give funny one-liner, one-line reviews. Maybe um, this next person. I mean, look at our letterbox, right? That's true. My review on letterbox was more like the misser. Um, this review from maybe Mick we should S. say that at the end. Oh, okay, you're right. <clears throat> this review from Mick S. 
This was the worst film I've seen on Netflix. Complete waste of two hours. But I had to watch it to see if anything happened in the end. As it is well filmed and has a couple of stars in it, so you'd expect them to have read the script beforehand. That was all one sentence, by the way, from me. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler alert. Bodged hit. Bodged. I didn't know that that was... Um, I think it means botched. I think so. Yeah, botched hit. But bodged hit, B-O-D-G-E-D, means hitman has to kill everyone involved. Along the way, a girl he knows <laughs> gets hospitalized. <laughs> Unlike all other mainly innocent people that get killed. At the end, they are reunited, but as not one iota of empathy has been drummed up for the lead character, so we don't give a toss, and she could be his sister, girlfriend, wife, who cares? The guy is a psychopath anyway? And that was all <laughs> another sentence. So this, all of that was two sentences. Um, He's touching on something, though, that I agree with. And that's like, we don't, I don't have any empathy for this guy. 0.5. At all at the end of the movie. None. Yeah. At all. At all. Yeah. Uh, this next one from Jim S. One, uh, pretentious. There is zero compelling reason to care about the protagonist's plight or he himself. This disjointed story only works if you bought in. And ultimately, I'm not. One and a half stars. <laughs> all right fair totally fair fair enough right uh this next one is from nicholas s comparable to watching golf a perfect thing to put on tv when you're trying to nap a bad look for fincher the more i think about this movie the more it makes me mad i wasted my time watching one star wow yeah. That's Not great. fun. What are some things that uh, you put on TV when you're trying to fall asleep? Golf is definitely one of them. Uh, it's like Phantom Menace. Guy. Phantom Menace. Wow. That's a. That's I a always. One. Yeah. Phantom Menace, um, Seinfeld, or like, I don't know, like a Marvel movie, something like that. Something I've seen a thousand times. I don't really care if I'm missing anything, you know? Yeah, but the problem that I find sometimes is I'll get to a scene in the movie or in the Phantom Menace where I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty good." (laughs) (laughs) The one scene. uh, Yeah, yeah, and then I end up watching you know the rest of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) What were yours? Family Guy. That's a good one. Yeah, it used to be Family Guy. Used to be SpongeBob. Now it's more like uh, I watch Cops. Uh, cold case, um, cold case files. Maybe what is cops on? to get away with murder. Um, you know, just like light TV like that is usually what helps me fall asleep. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it pretty much seems like the audience in in this movie. The reason they gave it a sixty percent, they took their David Fincher hats off. off. They didn't fall into yes. the trap. They came in with much more unbiased look than the critics. No surprise there. Not judging uh, 
Fincher on his body of work to make excuses for this film or like looking for things to make it great. But instead they looked at Fincher's body of work for what this film could have been, I think is how yeah. the, the audience came about it, which brings us to our real ranking. yeah let's do it john let's 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 do it and then let's give our letterbox reviews okay fair enough uh let's get in our real ranking uh this is where we look at all of the movies that we talk about we give it a scale of zero to 100 zero being a movie that probably was was never released like batgirl i'm not sure if you you saw in a, another thing we could have talked about in real news was that i think hbo or um DC, I think it actually is being sued uh, for those movies that they kind of kept in the backlog and never released. So like Batgirl and, and those things. So that that would be a zero and a hundred would be a perfect movie uh, like we've talked about before, like The Godfather um, and, and some of those other great movies, uh, Inception being one. So uh, Jose, the future. <laughs> out of a zero to a hundred, what would you give this movie? John, I'm going to give this movie a 60 out of 100. Really? And I'll tell you why. Yes. Tell me. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think that, you know, if I put my David Fincher hat on, I do really enjoy the way that this film is shot, the cinematography, the lighting, you know, the slow burn, as you said, of it all. Like, the noir stuff, the, the following our protagonist, like, he's this um you know narcissistic neurotic guy like in like in taxi like in taxi driver or something like that those are things i really enjoy about this movie but the story itself leaves a lot to be desired i think it's actually unfortunately quite boring at times because we don't empathize with our protagonist we don't really i felt personally i didn't even really like him all that much so following him on this weird journey of, you know, improvised uh, murder after he's actively telling himself this mantra and going against it, even if this is a meta commentary on the killer genre, I think overall it is unfortunately boring and uh, a little bit overdone. Um, and I didn't quite like it very much. So <laughs> I'm going to give it, like I said, a 60 out of 100. And my letterbox review is very simple. It is um, The Killer, the most accurate depiction of Floridians on film. <laughs> um, also, we didn't wrong. even talk about the fact that he listens to the Smiths constantly. Yeah. And uh, Morrissey... I hate I hate Morrissey. I love the Smiths, and yet seeing it on film like this made the guy even more unlikable. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Where are you at, John? I watched this movie with, as we mentioned, my David Fincher hat was off for this. 
It was a beautiful movie, an intimate movie. The first 30 minutes, a really compelling, nerve-wracking, anxiety-inducing movie. And then it just kind of left me with, what are the stakes? Why is this important? If I had a job, when I had a job, if I had shot the wrong person at my job, uh, I would be fired. And I would come to grips with that. And I would understand that I messed up and maybe I won't get as many jobs in the future and probably take a, a pay decrease and probably liable for the damages that I'd done. In this movie, someone that fails at their job is given a second chance and their second chance is to just kill everyone that hired them and gave them a first chance in the first place. Um, and while doing so, somehow, <laughs> somehow did it in the most boring way possible and continued to defy. I know what you were saying. They were making like a mockery of the killer genre, but continued to say their mantra over and over again and defy it. By the third or fourth time I heard their mantra while they were defying it, I just rolled my eyes and I couldn't believe I was still watching this movie. I'm giving this a 65 out of 100. David Fincher hat off. Uh, and my, my letterbox review, uh, you can follow both of us on Letterboxd, I believe, at Hoser Loser and at John B. Wolf on Letterboxd. Mine was killer, question mark, more like misser, uh, period. And uh, that was it. That was my review. Daniel, you're still here with us. What did you think about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely didn't watch the movie, Daniel. We know that. But Bruges, Daniel, that's the movie I, you watch. <laughs> in Bruges, in Bruges, great movie. Hundred percent. Have not watched the movie, says Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Well um, you're not missing anything. <laughs> in Bruges is great. Colin Farrell's incredible in that movie. Um, I think we talked about it actually when we talked about Banshees of Inishirin because Colin Fair, it's the same two actors. Um, but let us know what you guys thought of The Killer. Let us know on our socials at EARC Pod, at John B. Wolf, at Hoser Loser. And be sure to catch all of our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Um, my name's Jose, here with John Wolf as usual. And today it seems like we sided with the audience, which I think is a rarity, John. I, I don't think we normally do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But remember. We that at the you end got of the it right. day, it doesn't matter because it doesn't really matter. Everyone's, everyone's a real critic. Uh, real <laughs> critic. Follow us on social medias at ERC Pod and join our Patreon. In Bruges, more like out Bruges. Am I right? <laughs>